1: What's going on, everybody? Welcome to another episode of Locked on Vikings. I'm your host, your pal, and the kid you copied off in math class. My name is Luke Braun. My Twitter is at Luke Braun NFL. The show's Twitter is at Locked on Vikings. You can always find this show anywhere you find your favorite podcasts, including Spotify, Google Podcasts, Himalaya, what have you. And if you don't like podcast apps or, or scrolling through websites and lists, you can always just ask your smart device to play podcast Locked on Vikings, and it'll take you right to the most recent podcast. Episode And today we are continuing with our very in-depth roster breakdown. Yesterday we did all of the offensive line and defensive line. We did the quarterbacks, wide receivers, and running backs on Monday. So if you're interested in that and you haven't checked it out yet, please go do so. Today we are going to do the tight ends, the linebackers, and the safeties in that order. But first we have a little bit of, I guess, minor news to go over. Uh, Rock Thomas' suspension actually kicked in officially. I'm going to be perfectly honest, I definitely thought that that had already happened. I just kind of assumed that, like, it was already in the works. So uh, I, I thought that he was already suspended, and and all of the content that I made, like talking about Rock Thomas, like the 90-man thing and talking about the running backs on Monday, all already had the assumption that he would be suspended. So none of that changes, which is kind of nice. All the analysis is already out there, and I don't have to say anything extra. The The only thing that I do want to uh, reiterate, I guess, is that today's new, or yesterday's news, as you're probably listening to this, probably doesn't change his roster odds very much. For one, the Vikings were probably already anticipating this. But for two, that's not really how suspensions tend to affect people's roster odds because you don't need to give up the roster spot when a player is suspended. If you decide that Rock Thomas makes your 53-man roster, you can put you can keep another player in his place for those 3 weeks and then cut that player at the Uh, beginning of week four and bring Rock Thomas back if you so choose. It just kind of gives you three more weeks of a look at whoever Rock Thomas is competing with, likely Mike Boone. So, you know, whether or not you want rock thomas purely on the field is still going to decide whether or not you make that decision in week four it just is going to happen later so like being suspended doesn't really affect his ability to be on the end he he can participate in training camp in the preseason and everything like that so it's not like oh you know you're going to fall behind or anything like that uh it, it doesn't really affect that decision very much at all. Now, what might affect the decision is the incident itself. The you were really stupid factor of it all might cause a coach to say, yeah, yeah maybe I'm not so interested in this. Uh, but on the whole, t- the the news of yesterday, which was his suspension is for three games, doesn't really make anything ha- like different. And I see a lot of like, oh, bye, Felicia. Oh, well, you know, his roster odds went from slim to none. And it's like, no, they were already where you thought they were. You're just catching up now. So if you listen to the Monday episode, you can hear more about my thoughts on whether or not Rock Thomas deserves to make the Vikings. I have him getting cut right now purely off of, like, suspension or not, I would have him getting get, getting cut anyways, and you can hear more about that if you go listen to Monday's episode. But let's focus on the now, let's focus on the tight ends, which is the first thing we are going to talk about today. The, uh, the tight end room is really straightforward, and, and there's not really a lot of room to, like, even opine at all. I mean, Kyle Rudolph is going to be the starter. He's going to be the number one tight end, and that's, like, of course— Uh, Then behind him, you have a little bit of a weird, intriguing situation with Irv Smith and David Morgan I'm going to talk about in a sec. I put them in the quote-unquote competition tier of my roster tiers. Also, the Monday episode has explanations for that if you're curious uh, or if you're confused. Um, And then beyond that, you have Tyler Conklin, uh, Brandon Dillon, and Cole Hikutini are the the other three. Uh, I have Tyler Conklin in the roster bubble status, and uh, I have... Hikutini and Dylan in the long shot tier. I think those guys are really struggling to make an NFL roster. Uh, Cole Hikutini is kind of at the tail end of his career. Brandon Dylan is at the very beginning of it, and I think both of them, for different reasons, have uphill climbs to make the roster. Go listen to their uh, 90-man series episodes if you want more about their stories. As for the actual intrigue with this group, it starts with David Morgan and Irv Smith. And essentially, like, what's going to happen here? Because they're not going to take Kyle Rudolph off the field, or at least I'm not anticipating that they take Kyle Rudolph off the field. So you have a a sub-package job, which I'm counting those as starting gigs, uh, you know, like akin to the third corner or the the third wide receiver. I think the second tight end is important enough where you can call it a starter. And you have two guys in David Morgan and Irv Smith that are going to be competing for those snaps but they're like wildly different players that will play wildly different roles. You know, David Morgan will be more of a blocker, more of a, a kind of like beef it up, a run play kind of guy, and Irv Smith will be a guy that runs go routes up the seam. And so I don't think that they're in like a direct competition. I think it's a matter of what the Vikings will want to do more. Will they want to use their 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 12 package, their two tight end sets as a running set, or will they want to use it as a passing set? And I feel like that has not that much to do with like how well David Morgan and Irv Smith play in the preseason. It's just going to kind of be a matter of what play they happen to be calling at that moment will determine who goes out on the field. Now, that's not entirely out of, like, their control, because, like, Irv Smith could just be a disaster this preseason, and then David Morgan would just get all the snaps. Like, he could just be totally not ready and like, raw rookie. I don't think it's going to happen. I think he actually comes out of the box pretty ready. I I talked about him more when we did our draft coverage. Uh, And and so I I think he'll be pretty ready to play, like, right off the bat. Uh, but if I'm wrong and he's like just a total mess, then yeah, David Morgan will get all of the snaps. So I, I don't know if it really makes sense to even call like who will be the quote unquote starter at the the tight end two position. I think that they're going to probably focus more on running and, and with all the rhetoric and the off season moves and stuff, they've, they've talked a lot about how they want to like focus on running and come out of the games, you know, come, come out in the beginning of games, like with a run first attitude, which oh boy, I've got a lot of thoughts on that. Uh, but I, I think that means that they'll probably want to use David Morgan and, and only bring in Irv Smith in situations where they really need him. So I guess I'll say, all right, David Morgan will like win the competition, but that's a pretty meaningless distinction. And it's going to say that on the doc that I post at the end of this. And, and just don't worry about it. Know that like the, that is a, a symbiotic relationship almost that is is going to kind of depend on the play call and that they're not really in direct competition with each other. It's just going to look like it on that depth chart. Uh, so moving on to the fourth tight end spot, which is a spot that might not exist. They have kept four in the past. They kept three last year. Uh, and it all just kind of depends on what else is going on the roster. So this is exactly what the chopping block is for. We will determine, all right, if there is a fourth tight end, it'll be this guy. And we'll, we'll kind of put him to the side. And we'll see if we have room on the roster to keep a fourth tight end. And that's probably going to be Tyler Conklin, right? Like, we don't really need to, like, go too deep into why that is. He played okay in relief of David Morgan last year like he wasn't a total like hot mess a la rock thomas I think uh, Brandon Dillon is coming as, like, this small school undrafted free agent. He's a little bit of a wild card, I guess, though. Like, I don't actually know at all what to expect from him because we've never seen him against the level of competition that he's about to face, even against the third team. He's going to face players that are probably better than anything he had to face at Marion. So I'm a little bit curious to see what we get out of him, but usually those situations don't turn out in the optimistic way. Sometimes they do, though, and that'd be kind of cool. And Cole Hikutini, I I don't uh, really believe in either um, as in terms of, like, a rosterable player or rosterable above Tyler Conklin. So I'm going to put Tyler Conklin in that, that fourth tight end spot. We'll put him on the chopping chopping block. Not sure if he makes the 53 man or not, but if there is a fourth tight end, I would predict that it's going to be Tyler Conklin. So I am going to step away to an ad break real fast. And when I come back, we will talk about the linebackers. I'll see you all in a sec.
0: Hi, this is David Locke, the CEO of the lockdown podcast network in this crazy, unprecedented and unnerving time. I know we're all living our lives a little differently. I thought we had some of our sponsors, over the time that might be able to help you out. So we've reached out to them to get you specific offers. Postmates is giving our listeners $100 of free delivery credit for their first seven days. Start your free deliveries, download the Postmates app, and use the promo code NBA. Anxiety, stress, need something to calm yourself down, the Calm app is available for you. 40% off to our listeners at calm.com slash NBA. Stuck at home, want fitness? Echelon Fit has been a sponsor of ours. And you can go to echelonfit.com slash L-O-N-B-A. And if you're looking to add some new knowledge and get a little smarter in your free time masterclass or at least your time at home masterclass.com slash P E R is offering 15% off. If you missed any of those, go to lockdown slash offers that's lockdownpodcastcom slash offers. Thank you very much for tuning into to lockdown podcast network. We hope to be here for you to give you a relief and a respite from all the other news. And thanks very much. Be safe and practice your social distancing.
1: Okay, welcome back. So let's talk about the linebackers. Uh, starting in the linebacker room, obviously you have uh, the two starting tier players, Barr and Kendricks. Nothing is going to challenge them. They can be comfortably put into the starter tier of my roster tiers, and that's that. Uh, you have in the competition tier, because again, I view the third linebacker spot as a starting position, because it's like, okay, we are in base package, Who are whose name are you calling? That's been Ben Gedeon for the last couple of years with Eric Wilson competing, uh, but they've also had a very strange relationship where, like, Eric Wilson has been the primary backup to come in when Barr or Kendricks is hurt. When those two players have suffered injuries, it wasn't Ben Gedeon and then he had another linebacker three. You had Ben Gedeon continuing to fill that third linebacker role, and instead Eric Wilson would come in and take the relief snaps. So there's kind of two different jobs on the line here. There's the actual starting job, which is, you know, the base package, who's the third guy next to Barr and Kendricks, and then if those two go down, it might be a different person actually taking the reps. It's not like you just put your third best linebacker in both spots. There's kind of two different jobs to compete over here, and maybe the same guy does win one job this year. That is totally possible, but it is, like, two different slots to fill. So I've put uh, Eric Wilson and uh, Ben Gedeon in the competition tier because I think that they are competing for that third linebacker spot, and I also think that both of them are pretty much—they're—they're uh, they're pretty safely on the roster. So usually the Vikings will keep six linebackers, so that leaves two linebacker spots left, and those are being competed over. Uh, those are those are. Going to come down to Devonte Downs, Brewer Martini out of the AAF, Cameron Smith the draft pick, and Kentrell Brothers, and uh, and then you also have Richard Cliet coming off the practice squad, and and thus he is on in in the long shot tier. But he did actually make a decent push for the for the practice or for the the roster last year, based a lot on some good special teams play uh, and and some good preseason play. So maybe you know he he has more of a shot than a lot of these guys in the long shot tier for sure. Uh, so there's only two spots to actually like give out uh, between these two these these five linebackers. And first, I want to talk about uh, Kentrell Brothers because he has struggled the last two years in the preseason, and he's kind of been in that spot where like, yeah, we drafted you, and you've been a backup, and you've been a good special teamer and stuff. Uh, but this last year, that hasn't been nearly as true. Like Kentrell Brothers has kind of fallen off not to mention the drafting of Cameron Smith like directly threatens him and I kind of feel like those two are like competing with each other for for you know love on this roster and I think you know Cameron Smith he comes out of the box ready and exactly what he is and I think the the issue I had when the Vikings drafted him was that he was a low ceiling player and he'll kind of only ever be what he is today but what he is today is a rosterable linebacker so I'm putting Cameron Smith on on the team, and I feel pretty confident in that. And I actually don't know if Kentrell Brothers can have a bad preseason for a third year in a row and and make the roster. And so that is actually what I'm going to predict. I'm going to cut Kentrell Brothers outright. So the last linebacker spot typically comes down to special teams. The last two linebacker spots, honestly, typically come down to special teams. And uh, Devontae Downs, I think, is one of the better special teams-sized players on on the team. He's just perfectly built to run down the field and make a tackle. Now he, in my opinion, struggled a lot last preseason and he was actually one of the players that I thought was gonna get cut after the preseason that wasn't cut. Um, and and I think I just have to take my L on that and admit that you know he's going to only get better at special teams. And if he was good enough to make the roster on it last year, I, I think that he gets better at special teams this year, and he can make it based off of of purely that because he can contribute on just about every special teams unit and and be an asset, a valuable asset there. And and I know that the Vikings will see that and see that it's worth a roster spot, even though he still has quite a bit to learn at the linebacker spot. Uh, Not to mention that last year's preseason, he was coming directly off of an injury, and so he's going to be coming in fully healthy. I I really believe in him, and uh, I I think that Greer Martini is somebody that I'm actually kind of shocked that he's still getting NFL opportunities at all. Uh, If you go listen to his 90-man episode, like he really came out of Notre Dame and flamed out of the league, and that kind of should have been it, but he kept kind of getting more and more opportunities, and now he's being brought into a camp again after like a decent AAF performance. I don't believe in him at all, and I, I, I don't. Don't really, think, I think he, there's a good chance that he finishes last among all of these linebackers. Uh, and that leaves us with Richard Cliet, who, again, has some special teams prowess and actually has a chance to, to make the team based on that. I, there has been... Uh, A case where the Vikings kept seven linebackers based purely on special teams, so I am going to make a chopping block spot, and I'm going to put Richard Cliet on it, although I anticipate that that's going to be quite the luxury, and I think, considering all the players that I'm putting on the chopping block, the heel—like, I don't think I'm going to keep a seventh linebacker, but because that is something that happened— And uh, if there is a seventh linebacker, I'm going to predict that it's Richard Cliet, which might be a little bit of a hot take since I'm cutting Kentrell Brothers. And by the way, that really sucks. I I am rooting for Kentrell Brothers really hard. He's one of my favorite stories and one of my favorite personalities. And another 90-man episode that I'm going to go plug because, I don't know, his whole story just fills my heart. And so I really want to be wrong about him, uh, but I am going to predict that he's one of my, like, surprise cuts. So recapping that, you have Barr and Kendricks, you have uh, Gedeon and Wilson, and I never actually picked that battle, I just described that there would be one. Um, I actually think that Eric Wilson wins both. I I think that Ben Gedeon struggled a little bit in 2018, and I, I think he kind of came into 2017 exactly where he was going to be, a lot like Cameron Smith. And that was good for a rookie, and we were surprised by how good he was for a rookie. But now that it's not for a rookie, he's just kind of like a whatever guy out there. And, and he had some really blunderous low lights last year, especially, uh, you know, that bad George Kittle play in the first game. Um, and I think he had another really bad one against the Rams. There were just some moments where you kind of were like, get Ben Gideon off the field. Uh, Although I do think he makes for a good backup because he is like mentally very sound and that means that, that, you know, you're gonna see very like a lot fewer mistakes. Although I just said, you know, there was that one really bad mistake. I, I don't think you're gonna see a lot of that from him, but I think that Eric Wilson is just faster. I mean he's faster than a lot of linebackers. He was a safety for a long time. Um, and, and you know, Ben tested really well athletically, but you still see that difficulty scraping across the field. And that's more of just like a rushing, te- a running technique kind of thing. And, and, I, and I don't know if that's something that he that can be coached out of him. And so I think this is the time when Eric Wilson finally just surpasses him. And he's going to come in and be the third linebacker. And he's going to be the one that is, that serves as a backup if Bar or Kendricks goes down. And then Ben and would be the third linebacker in that case, just like in previous years. But I think we're going to see Eric Wilson finally take that next step to be becoming a full-fledged you know starter linebackers three on this team so I am gonna step away and when I come back we'll talk about the safeties where things get like real weird uh, we'll see you on a second okay welcome back let's talk about the safeties uh, I kind of wish there was a, a different way for me to arrange it but I didn't do this well enough where I could arrange the safeties with the corners. Uh, because there is a little bit of overlap between those two positions, and there's guys like Jaron Curse that like I don't know, I play both. And what does a nickel corner mean and all that? Uh, but for now, we'll we'll focus on uh, who's listed as a safety. On the Vikings website, will delineate it that way, but understand that like sometimes they'll line up in, in different places on the field. So starting out, obviously in the starter tier, you have Anthony Harris and Harrison Smith. Those guys are going to be your starting two, and you're not really going to mess with that. I don't think anybody on this team is going to like challenge those two at all, which is pretty incredible to, to like take a step back and look at that. How like Anthony Harris is there now after last year? We were going, I think he'll make the team probably, and like now he's a. a bona fide starter that doesn't even have like real competition. Uh, but after him, that's where things get a little bit interesting. So, in the backup tier is where I have Jaron Curse, and Jaron Curse's role is something that I don't really know how to define with a tier system. Like, he always ends up in his own category, and that's just going to be a flaw of doing a system like this. I still like the system, but it's just always going to be weird about Jaron Curse, so we just kind of have to deal with it. But I guess his role would be called rotational. Like, here's the thing, he could be a linebacker, he could be a safety, he could be a nickel corner, and I don't really care what you call it, like, I think we understand what they're going to use him for, and that's what they used him for in 2018. He was somebody to come on when you saw two tight ends in the huddle, you'd send out J. Ron Curse and say, cover one of them. And, and that's essentially what you get from him. He's big enough to be able to, you know, uh, contribute to a run game when when there's an extra tight end, he can kind of cancel out that advantage. He can also keep up with the, you know, more pass-catching type tight ends. He's the kind of guy that would counter a thing like Rudolph and Irv Smith in A-12 personnel. He's there for that, and whether or not he lines up on the ball or off the ball or in the slot or, you know, or, or lines up deep or whatever, that's all going to have to do more with the alignment of the offense, and that's going to kind of be a more nuanced thing than like a position designation. So whatever you want to call it, he is going to come in and essentially be the, 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 slot corner if they put the tight end in the slot or he's going to be the strong safety if they line the tight up the tight end in in, in line like the third safety and whatever that is it's going to be a rotational job that you know kicks somebody that I've I've talked about as like a quote unquote starter off of the field like Ben Gedeon or whoever ends up being the starting nickel corner we'll talk about that tomorrow but like there won't be a personnel package that's like all right the base J-Ron curse defense that like gives him the starting role so I'm not calling it a starting role uh, but I, either way all of this is just going to be semantics we know what he's going to do and what he's going to be used for and I don't even think he really has competition for that so it's just going to be a, a matter of kind of learning for us learning what the Vikings plan to do with him so if you count him as a safety which I am because that's how he's listed uh, the Vikings typically only keep four safeties. They did keep five safeties last year when they got Iloka uh, because J. Ron Curse was kind of playing a like more untraditional role, so they kind of needed the extra backup, and plus like special teams and stuff. So they uh, they had five safeties, and that means that it's a possibility again. So we'll have a chopping block spot here. Uh, but we'll go with the fourth guaranteed spot for first, and really what you have is a competition between Darren Smith and Marcus Epps, so I have them both in the roster bubble tier. There's also Micah Abernathy, who uh, comes in as, as a long-shot undrafted free agent who might surprise people. I am not calling that. Uh, I'm, I'm cutting him, but what I really want to talk about is this battle between Darren Smith and... And, and Marcus Epps, because Darren Smith is largely a rosterable player. He was a rosterable player for three years. He went in 2018 and didn't make a Browns team that didn't have enough room for all of the safeties, and he happened to be the odd man out, but I think that Browns roster had five rosterable safeties on it, and they only wanted to keep four, and Darren Smith was the guy who ended up cut, and I'm a little confused as to why he didn't get a call, because he was really like a reliable backup player that even pushed to start at a point, I think, in Cincinnati, and I think that in Cincinnati he got experience that will be valuable here see in Cincinnati they have run a defense that is close to what Zimmer runs now the terminology is different and there's all kinds of other wrinkles and Zimmer takes it to a more complex place and does some things that that are like unique to him that have made it not work in Cincinnati uh, but a lot of the concepts and and calls are going to be similar and I think there's like a level of familiarity it's kind of like it's easier to learn Spanish if you know Portuguese first. So even though there's kind of a stigma about these AAF players, you know, a lot more AAF players are guys like Greer Martini, who I don't really know if they deserve another chance in the NFL, but they just kind of got it because they were among, like, lesser competition. I think Darren Smith showed that he did not belong among lesser competition, not that lesser competition enabled him to, like, showcase something that won't translate to the NFL, because Darren Smith dominated in in the AAF. He just has a, a veteran experience that make me really, really like his, his roster odds. Now, Marcus Epps, on the other hand, uh, he's actually shown out a little bit in minicamp, and I, I kind of have to take that into account, even though I understand that it's very early and you're in shorts and a lot of stuff is, is you know, we're a long way away here. Uh, but as we stand at this juncture, it does help to, to know that, like, he's turned a couple heads. So I definitely am taking that into account as well. Um, but like looking at his level of play, I think that there is a, a slow processing speed, I guess is what I'll say. Um, you know, he, he definitely has a, a, an ability, like a really strong agility testing and an ability to break on the ball once he's decided to do it. But I think sitting back and reading an NFL offense, it's just, he's a rookie. It's going to take time for him to learn how to do that. So if I don't end up rostering him, I definitely want to put him on the practice squad, but I kind of want to find a way to roster him and get that fifth safety in. So I'm going to put him on the chopping block and put Darren Smith on the actual roster. And just with Micah Abernathy's like small school reputation and his size and stuff, I, I just don't see him translating to the NFL immediately. Of course, there's always practice squad uh, potential. I'm not putting him on the practice squad as of this juncture. Although as I do this, I might end up with uh, fewer practice squad players than I have practice squad slots, so maybe I'll go revisit that. Uh, But for now, we're just going to cut him outright, and that'll be the safety group. So to recap, uh, we have Harrison Smith and Anthony Harris up top. We have uh, J. Ron Curse playing that backup role, rotational role. However you want to define it, he's going to do the thing he's going to do. Uh, and then I'm putting Darren Smith on the team. He's going to be the only AAF player that outright makes it, although maybe we have Carter Schultz. Uh, I could definitely see myself being wrong about what I said about that yesterday. Uh, but I think that Darren Smith is the AAF player with the best chance to make the team, and I, and I like his odds to make the team a lot. Uh, and then we'll see if we can not hang on to Marcus Epps as well. I really want to because I really don't want to uh, put him on the scout team and kind of relegate him to that, but, you know, we'll see what else we have to take care of on the roster. We do have a lot of players on this chopping block and we'll see how we end up when we get there. So tomorrow I'm going to talk about the corners and the specialists and we'll do that chopping block exercise. That'll be a really exciting episode to record, but for now that is going to do it for me on Locked on Vikings today. Thank you guys so much for hanging out and uh, listening to more of this Roster breakdown. We're going to wrap it up tomorrow. Uh, in the meantime, you can always find me on Twitter at Luke Braun NFL. You can find all of these things uh, in the show notes under that Twitter account, and, and links to those screenshots will be in the show notes. Uh, the show's Twitter is at Locked On Vikings. You can always find this show on any podcast app that you like. And if you don't like podcast apps, you can ask your smart device to play podcast Locked On Vikings. I will see you all tomorrow to wrap up this roster, and we'll get a good 53 man going. We'll be ready for camp. You guys, it's coming. I can't wait. I am brimming with excitement. Uh, but until next time, as always, skull.
0: Hey, Locked On Minnesota listeners. This is Tony Abbott here to tell you about the brand new Locked On Wild podcast, where my co-host Joe Bully and I break down the Minnesota Wild every single day. How can you listen? Just search for Locked On Wild in your favorite podcast app and subscribe to bring Locked On Wild to your device every day.